Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers and to all of you who have mothers, so all of you. <laughs> Um, I really am glad that we are um, that we're taking some time today to to honor um, and to, to celebrate this uh, archetype of mother. And in, in preparing for this, I was looking at the work of Lex Hickson, um, his book called Mother of the Buddha. And so some of you might have seen my email or, or not, but um, there, there was a, a small bit of text that just grabbed me right up front that I thought we could spend a little bit of time with today. So I'm going to share uh, my screen just to give us a little something to speak to. Can you all see that? So today I'd like to talk about motherly mind, and sometimes we call this grandmotherly mind. I found this quote here about Prajnaparamita. Uh, Nelly, I wonder if you wouldn't mind reading it for us. Can you see it okay? Sure. <laughs> motherly mind. Prajnaparamita is unguarded, but she is not naive. She is ferocious and kind both strong and soft. And when she becomes embodied in one of us, she is none other than who we are. She knows the ground upon which she stands and she does not fail to cover it. And to me, this sounded a lot like the homage to the perfection of wisdom chant that we read uh, every morning. It's kind of reminiscent of it, yeah? Unguarded, but not naive. Ferocious and kind, strong and soft. And, and I really love that line, when she becomes embodied in one of us, she is none other than who we are. So I'm curious about this, about how Prajna Paramita um, relates to motherly mind. And here comes my father-in-law. <laughs> Last night, Jean Lopez sent me this quote uh, that she, she kind of reworked this poem from David Young and it just, it really touched my heart. Let's see, Claudine, would you mind reading this for us? Yes. Our kids see us doing something simple or complex, cooking, cleaning, working a job, paying bills, ferrying to and fro, holding their hearts with our love that we express in multiple ways. They may know now, but they will grow to understand the fullness of it, and it will be their shield and balm after we cease to exist. David Young. Thank you. 
So I thought with this, this gives a lot of feeling and emotion in this poem, right? Especially for me, the last line, their shield and balm after we cease to exist. And this, this says something a little bit about um, the motherly mind as well, I think. So I'd just like to invite you, before we jump into, you know, the actual talk and thinking through a text, just to spend a few moments, especially if you're just arriving for the first time today, um, just to close your eyes and sit with this idea of motherly mind or the motherly archetype. And the best way to do that, I, I just invite you to, to think about maybe not even doesn't necessarily have to be your own mother, but just think about someone that you've loved. Someone that has held your heart. And, and notice as you bring this person's image to mind, just notice how your body is responding. You might feel some softness, something relaxing, you might feel an opening, any little sensation that you might notice as you really just meditate on this person whom you love. And then bring to mind a person who loves you. And it may be the same person, or maybe a different person, but someone that has shown you deep kindness. Could be a teacher or a friend. And as you picture receiving this person's love and kindness and care, notice your body. The body knows when we're in the field of loving presence. We are in the field of kindness. You can picture what it feels like when this person is smiling at you with their eyes, with their heart. And again, just notice your own body's response. You might even feel a smile feeling across your own face. Good, and then as you're ready, you can open your eyes, but bring that feeling back into our zendo, into our togetherness, that feeling of being loved and loving. So mother of the Buddha, who was the mother of the Buddha? First of all, just as an aside, the actual mother of the Buddha uh, was named Maya. And she 
left her body to go to the heavenly plane seven days after the Buddha was born. There are a lot of stories you can look uh, look up online around his birth and even uh, her pregnancy. Um, but the, the Buddha had two mothers because then his um, stepmother or her sister, her stepsister took over as his mother. And that's Mahakajapati, uh, who we pay homage to every morning when we're, um, you know, thanking all of our teachers. And so surely these two women must have uh, exhibited great compassion to this person that we call the Buddha. Um, or else I don't think he could have become a Buddha. <laughs> so just to, I just wanted to bring their names into our uh, celebration today and to thank them for what they did. Uh, what an incredible thing. But this book, Mother of the Buddha, is actually not talking about either of those two women, but it's talking about the Prajna Paramita Sutra. So it's kind of like, huh? what? <laughs> How does this all relate? Uh, and, and interestingly, if you look at the lineage documents, um, you'll see the Prajnaparamita as the first, the very first person on the on the female lineage. Anyway, that's uh, there. There's a lot of mystery and a lot of amazing um, things to learn in Zen, and it continues to amaze me. But today. We're talking about the Prajnaparamita Sutra. And, and so here we have this little text and I'll read through it first. And then Rosemary, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind reading it through a second time, uh, just so we can get a second voice. And then what we're gonna do is for the rest of this time, we're just gonna break this down a little bit. We'll go through it together and try to see if we understand it and then hopefully have some discussion around it. The, the Prajnaparamita Sutra, clearly describes the mature practitioner of Mahayana, the diamond being or Bodhisattva. The Bodhisattva will always maintain a motherly mind consecrated to the constant protection, education and maturing of conscious beings, inviting and guiding them along the path of all embracing love. This Mahayana mind never succumbs to fear, anxiety, or depression, and is never overwhelmed by the strange adventures of awareness in the three realms of relativity, mundane form, sublime form, or formlessness. To sustain this wonderful courage and compassion, the Bodhisattva drinks the mother's milk of transcendent insight from the Prajna Paramita Sutra. For Prajnaparamita is mother, creator, native ground, and tender wet nurse in omniscience for every past, present, and future Buddha or awakened one. All conscious beings, including ourselves, are these future Buddhas still evolving towards omniscience. Now? Okay. Yep. Okay. Mother of the Buddha by Lex Hickson. The Prajnaparamita Sutra clearly describes the mature practitioner of Mahayana, the diamond being or Bodhisattva. The Bodhisattva will always maintain a motherly mind, consecrated to the constant protection, 
education and maturing of conscious beings, inviting and guiding them along the path of all embracing love. This Mahayana mind never succumbs to fear, anxiety, or depression, and is never overwhelmed by the strange adventures of awareness in the three realms of relativity, mundane form, sublime form, and formlessness. To sustain this wonderful courage and compassion, the Bodhisattva drinks the mother's milk of transcendent insight from the Prajnaparamita, Prajnaparamita Sutra. For Prajnaparamita is mother, creator, native ground, and tender wet nurse in omniscience for every past, present, and future Buddha or awakened one. All conscious beings, including ourselves, are these future Buddhas still evolving toward omniscience? Thank you. So, wow, this is a lot. <laughs> so I think we can sort of start to break it down a little bit and see what unfolds for us in the, in the realization of this mother's mind. What are the qualities of motherly mind? And can we turn these qualities not only towards others, but also towards ourselves? I think that's the, the question. How are we going to use this, this motherly mind uh, out in the world? So from what I understood of the text, the three qualities of motherly mind are protection, education, and maturing. Protection. When I think about protection as a mother, um, I think, of course, you know, we, we protect our child when they're young. Um, and that, that seems pretty obvious. But how do we think about protection towards ourselves, especially in, in terms of Zen? Uh, because a lot of times we think about the statement, there's nothing to protect, and that's also super useful. But, it, but if we're thinking about turning a motherly mind towards ourselves, what is protection in that way? And I think of Kristen Neff when I think about this. She does a lot of work with self-compassion. She's a, a professor here at UT um, and does a, a lot of research on self-compassion. And she has this uh, mama bear image that I just love. She even does a, an infographic on it, which is really cute. Um, but she says that fierce self-compassion involves acting in the world to alleviate suffering. So within this fierceness, there's action. And to me, that's the definition of compassion. So here we even have wisdom and compassion, the two bird wings, acting in the world to alleviate suffering. And it, it, it tends to involve protecting, providing for, and motivating ourselves. So this is just one person's thought about how we might turn this idea of motherly mind and protection towards ourselves, acting in the world to alleviate suffering, providing for and motivating ourselves. Education. So as I started to think about this one, this one was a little bit harder for me because you know, education seems obvious, right? We put our kids in school, we ourselves receive education, um, which feels like the active component of 
of education. But I think that there's also a more subtle way of thinking about this. And to me, this is inviting mindfulness. Ron Kurt says, real change comes about through awareness, not efforting. And I think this is where we can get a little caught sometimes as Buddhists who are active in the world. We, we sometimes think we have to educate other people. And I think that that can actually be uh, problematic sometimes for folks. So to me, this receptive way of education is inviting mindfulness and, and being aware of what others are feeling, what others are doing. Hi, Joel. <laughs> you want to jump in, Joel? I do. I'm sorry. It took me a moment to unmute. I just wanted to say that that what springs to mind immediately on reading this comes about through awareness, not efforting. And that is reading to a child where oh. you are hearing a discovery of, you know, you're reading a story, you're reading about toad and frog, and you're sharing a discovery of a viewpoint outside your own and modeling that that's how to grow in awareness, not, not through efforting, but through the enjoyment and the connection with others. I love that. So thank you for letting me, yeah. letting me ramble on. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, I love that example of uh, reading to a child um, because it, it does contain this quality of inviting mindfulness. So we're, we're inviting mindfulness in ourselves when we're attending to another and inviting mindfulness in the other through our own mindfulness. Actualizing the Dharma, the second point here is actually a really big one, and I plan to give a whole talk on this. Um, but what I mean to say here is just to be an example, like Joel was speaking to, to, to be an example in the world is probably the best type of education that I can think of. The last one was maturing. So thinking through this, you know, John Eric and I were talking about as our daughter Emily is now 20, and we've watched her grow, you know, she has been maturing. And initially we had to tell her not to run across the street or, you know, be right there. Uh, but over time, we've actually had to give her space and we've had to allow her to make her own choices and her own mistakes. And I think this motherly mind is like that with ourselves too, right? We need to allow ourselves to experiment, to make mistakes and to course correct. Uh, because otherwise then we're just really kind of caught in the, in the inner critic. So spaciousness to me is the anecdote to the inner critic. Spaciousness kind of says, okay, you're, you're here. You know, you're welcome to, and I'm not going to take you too seriously. <laughs> you're just one of the many, right, to the inner critic. Uh, because when we course correct, when we make mistakes, it sometimes we can get kind of harsh on ourselves about that. But this maturing, this idea of helping ourselves and helping others to mature um, really comes about through the process of making mistakes and then seeing one another deeply and being seen deeply, I think is the third point here. Um, when, when we are ourselves more mature, 
and when we're inviting others to mature around us, we tend to see each other very deeply. So we see past the stories, we see past the mistakes, and we can see the Buddha nature uh, within each other. And then this, this uh, here is actually from the text that we're studying, guiding them along the path of all embracing love. Um, to me, that just says it all. We're, if we're to guide each other along this path, or like Ramdas says, we're walking each other home. All of all embracing love, we're, we're all embraced by this, this love. So this is the next little paragraph. This Mahayana mind never succumbs to fear, anxiety, or depression. That's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I succumb to all those things, probably daily, <laughs> cycling through them. Um, and is never overwhelmed by, this is my favorite part, the strange adventures of awareness. I can tell when you read it, you liked that too, Rosemary. The strange adventures of awareness. In the three realms of relativity, mundane form, sublime form, and formlessness. So here, I think it's speaking to this motherly mind that can see deeply, that can hold all things, that can continue to guide us along on the path of love, and kind of sees everything as an adventure, as an opportunity. In the mundane form, in everything that's happening now, uh, today in our in our bodies, you know, doing the laundry, making the breakfast. The sublime form, which I think of as uh, more of like our, our true selves or our inner joy, uh, the light of our being, and formlessness, everything, right? All that all that there is, the strange adventures in all these realms. So to sustain this wonderful courage and compassion, the Bodhisattva drinks the mother's milk of transcendent insight from the Prajnaparamita Sutra. Wow, there's a lot of rich and flowery imagery in that. And it, it's very beautiful. Um, I think the imagery of mother's milk, there's nothing quite like, there's nothing quite like that. It's, there's nothing as nutritive in the world. Um, and then transcendent insight. What is this? So in order for us to have this courage and compassion and to sustain it, we need nourishment. And this nourishment is coming from the transcendent insight of the Prajnaparamita Sutra. That's, that's pretty uh, beautiful. So as I was meditating on this transcendent insight and what this means, I looked at a um, I looked at an article from Robert Thurman that was furthering this discussion on the uh, Prajnaparamita as the mother of Buddhas, and he says the essence of this insight is that voidness does not mean nothingness, but rather that all things lack intrinsic reality, intrinsic objectivity, intrinsic identity or intrinsic referentiality. Once they are so thoroughly relative, there is no limit to their being creatively reshaped by enlightened beings. 
And I don't know about you, but just right there, I feel this pause that feels like openness. And I think that there's some possibility there. There's some emergence, the spirit of emergence that can happen there in this insight. So when we talk about the Prajna Paramita, when we talk about the mantra, you know, in particular, where we say, gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone beyond even that, that we can get lost in that void, right? We can get lost in thinking, what is this? Just nothing, just nihilism. And I think this brings it back to, no, no, this is, everything is so thoroughly relative that there's no limit to being able to be creative and reshape, repurpose, even remap. What am I trying to say? The word re remapping of the mind. Reconsolidation. Yeah, memory reconsolidation. It's real. We know this in in psychological terms now. So, so we don't have to fix to. Uh, too much on things, we can actually realize that things can be reshaped, things can be reformed, we can reconsolidate our memories, and that that is something, that's more than nothing, <laughs> that's everything, I think. So these are just some thoughts and ideas about the Prajnaparamita Sutra, um, it's the longest sutra, it's um, the one that Buddha gave on Vulture's Peak is the biggest one. What we read, the Heart Sutra is a very small middle part of this very, very large sutra. Um, and so just, you know, just touching on some of these ideas, I think is useful today. And then I love that very last sentence, all conscious beings, including ourselves, are these future Buddhas still evolving? So I'd just like to open it up to all of you for discussion, for comments, uh, questions. I know this was a lot today, so uh, feel free to, to take your time. I think I'm unmuted. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jessica. What a lovely, amazing talk. Wow. I thank you. And uh, it's one we could use every day, but it really hits home today on Mother's Day, right? Um, although I see us all as mothers and fathers. I don't like that role distinction. Mothers and fathers of all. And I just wanted to share with you um, how this flowed through my body as you talked. And it gave me such a sense of joy and hope and peace and um, owning, I don't know how else to put it, owning all that is not in the sense that it's mine, but in a sense that I'm responsible 
for all and that um and that creativity in holding all is available i just want to share a little story when um i used to run my son around town <clears throat> pardon me or we'd go somewhere take him to some school trip when he was younger and i'd get lost because back then there was no phones with gps and maps and so on and i'd get lost and i did quite often i would say oh this is an adventure <laughs> he would always say oh this is going to be terrible i <laughs> <laughs> see we don't know that and he'd then say you're lost aren't you mom i'm like no i'm I just haven't quite found the route out to where we need to go. And so what you presented with me is that sometimes being or feeling lost in our emotions, in our circumstances, and helping me to reframe life, my life, all life, as I used to these lost times, right? When I was on the road with my son is, oh, this is an adventure. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to see all of your shining faces. Some, some I haven't seen in a while. Joan, hi. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's. I think it's really interesting in Mayana how, uh, for example, the possibility or not the possibility of the realization that at some point we'll all be Buddhist is so uh, representative of Mayana. And Peg was asking this question because we've been reading about Mayana. Uh, until I'm looking at it, I can't say her name. Um, we've been looking at uh, various takes like on the Bodhisattva. And on one extreme in Theravadan, there's only one Bodhisattva at a time. And that Bodhisattva is the next Buddha. And then on the other extreme is this idea that we're all Bodhisattvas and we're all enlightened and you know, on and on and on. It's really, it's really neat. It's like a consistent um, continuum where there's many things on one extreme and, and many things on the other. And, and I just, love that idea it's, it, they're not surprises it's, it's really consistent with other things in in mayana or you know or the other side of the mm. street mm. cool yeah thank you that's that is interesting yeah. to think about the spectrum of you could almost predict And, and this idea of actualizing Dharma, I think, also is really interesting, you know, because uh, this Maslow, who I'm sure you know about, you know, actualizing people, but actualizing Dharma is, is <laughs> kind of making real living as opposed to thinking. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thank you. I just wanted to share a moment that I had as you were talking. I had this this image and appreciation of the mother of the, of the Buddha, of Shakyamuni Buddha, and just seeing like she was one in a string of mothers also, and how she was the 
the next one to bring forth this life that became the Buddha that we know, and how that also brought forth the teaching of the Dharma as we know it, and Prajna, Prajna Paramita, and it just was, I don't know, I had this moment of real opening of like lineage. I could mm -hmm. see this lineage going back to this person, this woman, or forth this, this person. Um, just a moment I wanted to share it as you were talking. I was kind of like, oh, I hadn't really seen it that way before in, a, in that kind of succession. Such a personal way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Joe. I have a sticky mouse. It makes it hard for me to unmute as quickly as I want to. Sorry. Um, I'm just thinking of the, uh, you know, in our culture, there's a, a great resistance to men exhibiting motherly qualities. Yeah. Uh, you know, those, those qualities of compassion, looking out for others and so on and uh are are supposed to have different types of fierce strength you know fierce lovingness and so on but i i'm just reflecting on the famous story i'm not sure it's a koan exactly but but um the story in the koan literature where uh dungshan is about to leave his teacher yunyan and and he says, okay, so what's the essence of the Dharma? What is what do you want me to learn? And and Yunyan moves his fly whisk and he says, just this is it. Which has something to do with uh, the quality of bringing forth the Dharma in your own life, you know, just like I I I feel like Yunyan's got something in what he says. It's like, okay, well, I've been you know, living my life uh, as a as a monk and a teacher and and um, I, I hope it was enough, you know, I hope I hope it had that motherly quality for you that parental quality that that you can take with you and and just this is it, you know. Yeah, that's beautiful. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And in that I hear, I hear all three of those things protection and education and maturation and maturation exactly even that and that and that the the element of maturation has something to do with uh recognizing that that you know we get to the to to wisdom through our complicated daily lives yeah. You know, that there that is through the relative to the absolute, something like that. Thank you, Jeff. And Rosemary. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much. Um, a few things. So when you asked us to um, think about somebody who is very kind to us or to whom we love very much. Both of those things filled me with a lot of emotion, so it was really a nice um, openness, opening for me. Um, 
And your whole talk um, just showed me and reminded me of what a complex job it is to be a mother, to be motherly to oneself um, and to others. Um, and the thing that hit me right at this moment was the adventure part, because I'm about to go on this retreat um, in Molokai with Flint and others. And to, um, I'm, I'm, if it was a child, I would be like the nervous mother, not the, oh, not the Nelda mother. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a so yeah, so struggling with um, staying um, very open to, you know, it, because when I was sitting this morning, I'm thinking you going on this adventure, all roles are dropping. I've, I've never been, you know, really on a, on a residential retreat where, you know, I'm not going home, you know, I'm just there. And anyway, so the, um, yeah, I'd like to channel that Nelda part. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. And even, you know, even the nervousness, I think, Rosemary, as, as I'm sure you know, is, is also excitement, right? There's just all of that energy in there. And I don't know if you notice where you feel it in your body. Does it have a, a way that it's living right now in you? It's pretty all all encompassing. You know, it's pretty thorough within my body. And you're right. It really is both. It's a mixture. And that would be a mother, too, would be excited for their child going away to college, for example, or something like that. Um, and excitement and, and concern both. Yeah, it's all mixed. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing that. It's very vulnerable to share. And I, I think that it's it's. Uh, it's very normal to be nervous, you know, before big travel like that, and certainly before an intensive. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Emily. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Maybe Nelda was next. I don't. I don't know. Did y'all see who raised each other? Uh, Nelda was before Emily. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Rosemary and everyone else, I just want to clarify something about my saying when I got lost. Oh, this is an adventure. I was terrified, but I was also responsible for my son's safety and calm. And so I think that's also part of our practice, right? We get terrified, but we're also responsible for our safety and calm and that of those around us. So I remember at one point in life, um, trying to feel or be a certain way. And someone, I think, gave me some wise advice and that is um, act as though it is and it will come. And I think that was also part of helping my son to view life as an adventure. And that is act as though it is and it will come. And eventually when I get lost, he would get into it. So just know. Just know that, no, I was not this calm, adventurous. Oh, no, I was terrified, but I also had someone I was responsible for and someone I was given the blessing of modeling for. So there. Yeah. And I think that's also a, um, an example of protection, that first bullet point, because when we're uh, 
when we frame it as concern, it is, you know, it is concern, but it, it can also actually really be protection. Like we're, we're wanting to make sure that safety is, is in place and that um, we're going to be cared for and people around us will be cared for. So I think that, that there's a ferocity there. There's a lot of energy there that can really be used. Thank you. What a rich discussion. Thank you, Rosemary. Emily. Oh, okay. Um, here we go. Oh, hey. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and thank you so much, Jessica. Beautiful, beautiful um, talk this morning. And it was a beautiful way of remembering, um, self-remembering, who I really And that energy that is in there always, and always accessible to reach out to. And um, this week I got very caught in a self-centered dream not the self-centered, <laughs> but one of those traumas. And um, bringing, you know, as it calmed down and I separated from it, it was finally then really bringing that self-compassion. And, and I did, it was just so clear, ah, oh, grandmotherly mind. I understand. Yes, you're afraid. Yes, it's threatening something inside. You think people aren't going to love you. I get it. But you know, I'm with you. And I am with you all. Mm -hmm. And that is just, um, that's one of my most helpful little mantras. I am. And, and it just brings out about a very different feeling inside. And I really um, experienced myself so many times as being encased in, in these um, learned habits, behaviors, beliefs um, that get triggered. And that what's really true and real inside of myself um, the only way that this encasement can be released is through inner love and love directed towards um, the encasement. And I, like you, um, Rosemary, am going on the retreat and, um, and then an adventure after that, that I'm going on all by myself. And where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? You know, all of this. And it, it's um, been taking a lot of space. And during this um, meditation and, and the time, I then just started really directing compassion towards that. Yeah. You're, you're worried about this. You're worried about that. I understand. And you know what? I'm going to be with you. 
and we can get through. And and um, and then when there's that calm, I can be open to new. I can be open to the spontaneous um, and not have to have everything ordered in, you know, work, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna do that. And then, you know, but to allow it to flow. So anyway, thank you, Jessica. Thank you. And thank you for all of you. What a gift. I, I feel so very grateful. Um, to have found this community and to be a part of it. Um, and thank you. Thank you, Emily. And the way that you, um, that you speak to yourself, that's so soothing. I was just, I was letting that soothe my own parts. <laughs> thank you for offering those words in, in your lovely voice. Any other comments or just stories of what this might have brought up for you? John. Let's see. You have to unmute yourself there, John. I just wanted to say something so you'll know I was listening. <laughs> Jessica, just listening to you, I felt such uh, warmth and presence just in your being. And that was very, very, uh, it was a good teaching point for me to see that in you. I just wanted you to know that I really appreciated it. And that's what I would aim for, having that in my daily life as much as possible. So thank you for showing us that in your life. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Thank you. Just, just one little thing. So in the text, it said succumb to fear and those other things. Right. Not, not to have them. Oh, very nice. And I thought that was important. Yeah, that is important. Succumbing is, is like doubt, you know, another thing. Being overtaken mm -hmm. by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, nice. Okay, thank you. Also, it's so good to see Joan in her new home. Yeah. With all the pictures behind her. Yeah. I love that. And your haircut too, Joan. All mm -hmm. set up. And Becky, you've also gotten a haircut, at least since I've seen you. Looks very nice. Okay, well, shall we finish up for today?